0: So I I have been so excited about this uh, and enjoyed this series so much uh, because we've talked about so many champions and I was actually going to go back and rehearse uh, some of those champions and and bring out highlights from each one and I felt the Holy Spirit um, correcting me and leading me in another direction tonight, And so I thought, well, I want, I want to, what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying is I want you to talk about some of the, certainly we can't get to all of them uh, in the, the, you know, 30, 45 minutes or whatever, but some of the consistent um, characteristics that you see in the lives of champions throughout the Old Testament. And what I found was that not every champion had every characteristic that a champion may, may possess. Some of them lacked great segments of character, and and, uh, some of them lacked great, what we would consider to be extremely important things. And that spoke volumes to me. Studying champions from the perspective of what they lack should build you up. And when you begin to study men of God... Uh, in the Old Testament particularly, and you begin to see the lack in their life and still come to the conclusion of what God was able to do in and through them, even possessing those segments of lack, ought to help you and I. It certainly helped me just looking at it. Now, we're not going to talk about all of those lacks, but we are going to talk about that a little bit. So first of all, I want to just point out that one of the characteristics that I saw throughout champions in the lives of the champions that we studied was that a champion sees the need. The Holy Spirit comes to point out to you and I the place that he wants us to plug in and be a joint that supplies. And some of us say yes to that, and there are people who say no. There are people who, when the Holy Spirit says, I would like you to be a joint that supply, uh, supplies in that area, I would like you to invest in that area, I would like you to be connected to that area, I would like you to be connected to that, the point of need that I'm showing you. And, and you know those people, a pastor sees them all the time, and I, and I don't want to pick on anybody. I'm, I'm happy pastoring, and I'm not mad at anybody. But... Uh, uh, you see it because there are those people in the body of Christ who always see the need, but they come to point that out to get someone else to fulfill it. You know, you really ought to get someone to fix that problem. And I've learned to say, if the Holy Spirit is showing you that problem, he's probably asking you to be a part of that solution. Not a popular response in every case. But in some cases, people go, you know what? I think I can be part of the solution. Maybe not all the solution. Maybe you can't fix everything. I discovered that when we were uh, in the foster care um, process, and we were seven years in that and had 37 kids. And in that process, I began to grieve as I realized that the magnitude of the problem was far greater than our resource or even than the resources that that the state has or that the courts have or or that anybody involved in that process has. Nobody has the full answer to the magnitude of this great problem that is before us. And I used to say, Lord, how do you do it? First time I went to court and I said uh, in court and I watched the judge With a stack, literally, it was two and a half feet high, the folders on the judge's desk. Case after case after case that was on the court calendar for the day. And, of course, because of privacy laws, they never say the name of the client that's in that folder. They just say case number, such and such, and they call the case number, and all the people that that are there for that case get around the table, and they start talking about uh, the minor child. And as I began to see the magnitude of the challenge that was before godless men, many of them, uh, before a world system where they were trying to address a problem with, with um, carnal understanding, and I begin to grieve and say, Lord... How do you take in every one of those folders there is a life that is represented, sometimes several lives that are represented, and in every one of those cases you are concerned about the most minute detail. How do you sort that out? And I begin to walk in peace the Lord said, because the Lord began to cause me to understand that he does it through a multiplicity of people who will say yes. To be a part of the solution. And I realized that champions never are the whole solution. Only he is the whole solution. A champion just chooses to champion their part. You see, David, when David killed Goliath, we're going to talk about him. That wasn't the the example that I had for this, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. But when David killed Goliath, Goliath had brothers and David didn't kill their, his brothers. The men David trained killed his brothers. So David was only a part of the solution. When he killed Goliath, he was only answering a portion of the challenge. But a champion sees the need. Uh, we see that in, in Nehemiah. When Nehemiah began to inquire about the circumstances of Jerusalem, Nehemiah began to I- inquire and people begin to tell him, there's a problem back home. The walls are torn down. The people are in despair. And this is what Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4 says. So when I heard these words, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah was a great champion, but the first thing he did was he identified the need. And the Bible says that he wept and mourned for many days, and he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven simply because he saw the need. He didn't even know at that point if he was supposed to participate in being the answer to the need, but he saw the need. So a champion sees the need, and then we know in that story that he went on to be a part of the answer. And then um, I realized another thing that is in throughout all of these champions that we looked at, is that a champion does not get hung up on personal imperfections. If you get hung up on personal imperfections, you start disqualifying yourself, and you will never champion anything for the kingdom. Because God called you because you're cracked. He called me in the midst of my imperfections, Because the Bible teaches us that we are never going to be put in a position where we can say, look what we've done. It's always going to be because he made it possible through us, that he worked through us. And it was never in our own strength, and it was never with our own understanding, and it was never in our own ability. And I'm reminded of that in the lives of two men that I consider to be great champions, although some people might take exception to this, and that's Eli and Samuel. Both of them priests in the house of the Lord. Both of them served the Lord with their whole heart, their whole lives. Both of them were terrible fathers. Both of them were terrible at interpersonal relationships. Both of them had great weakness in personal character in that particular area of their life but that did not stop them from doing the work that God called them to do and even Eli coming to the dramatic and unfortunate end that he came to and the scripture showing that Eli was uh, an undisciplined man and in his own personal lack of personal discipline Eli lacked personal discipline, and in lacking personal discipline, also lacked the ability to discipline his own sons. And God still worked his purposes through Eli. And when you and I get to heaven, and we step into eternity, we'll have a conversation with Eli. That although he, his life ended in judgment, in some respects... He championed the purposes of God in his life, and he brought forth Samuel, who who also generationally, Eli fulfilled the purposes of God generationally, even though he was not a good father and did not do it in the lives of his own sons. So he had this great failure mirrored against this great success. Champions do not get hung up At the level of their own imperfections And if you get hung up At the level of your own imperfections You'll never do anything for God And you won't do much for anyone else Because you'll be Self aware Instead of God aware And body aware Community aware You'll be self aware And self awareness is selfish Then Another thing that champions do, and this is where I had uh, referred to David in, in my mind, champions just show up. The first thing that a champion has to do is show up. I'm wondering, uh, sometimes we were talking a minute ago about the rest home that, uh, that you go to and how many people that you've shared the word with in simplicity and you've prayed with them and you have no idea... Even sometimes the level of their own understanding when they're praying that prayer with you, whether they really even understand what they're praying or doing or not, But I assure you that you're going to step into eternity and someone's going to come running to you and they're going to say, if you had not come to that rest home and prayed with me, I wouldn't be here. And you're going to be their champion. They're going to say, because you obeyed God. And you can sit there and you can pick yourself apart and you can say I'm not adequate and you can say I'm not, I'm not good at this and you can say I'm not a great teacher or I'm not a great this or I don't have any great influence. But the persons whose lives you influence for the kingdom are going to look at you and say thank God you obeyed the Lord because my eternity was affected because of it. Champions. Sometimes we're a champion to an entire nation and sometimes we're a champion to one person. And I was I was just telling the Lord this the other day because I have I have uh, nine children and um, five the five adopted ones and I was thinking as those five children are not going to go to uh, uh, going to spend time uh, the best of my ability and with my declaration before the Lord you'll all understand this they're not going to be on drugs and they're not going to be in prison and they're not going to be uh, in in some of those things that the enemy had put in. That was in his plan for them. Two of them were in a family that was gang family. That, that was in the enemy's plan for them. But they're not, they're not on that road, and if I can keep them directed to the purposes of the kingdom and God's plan for them, they'll never get on that road. And I told the Lord, if no one comes to Jesus through the preaching of the gospel that I have done, if no one walks with you, if no one grows up in, in, of all the people that I'm discipling and all the people that I'm leading, if none of them walk with you, but these nine children fulfill their destiny in the kingdom, I will die a happy man. Because I will have been a champion to nine. And that is good enough for me. And anything above that is just benefit and blessing. That's how I feel about that. I, I was telling the Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus. If, if my children will champion the kingdom after me, those nine will carry the, the good news of the kingdom beyond my generation, I'll die a happy man. Champions show up. But just a simple, simple gospel truth. Champions show up. If David had said to his father, Dad, you carry the cheese. I don't want to, my brothers don't like me. I don't want to go there. I don't, they don't have any use for me. When I get there, they're going to be rude to me. I'll stay home. I'll feed the sheep. You carry the cheese. Dad would not have had David's perspective on Goliath. Dad would have carried the cheese and said, you boys need to do something about this guy, and he had went back home. But David said, I killed the lion and and God delivered the bear into my hands and you are no better than they are. But he showed up carrying the cheese. Take this bread and this cheese to your brothers and see how things are going on the front lines. What kind of father sent his kids to the front lines anyway? David showed up carrying the cheese. So then... Another thing that I see as a consistent, a, a constant through the life of champions is champions are willing to face impossible situations. If you're afraid of impossible situations, you probably can't do much for the kingdom of God. If we are afraid of hard places, champions are not afraid of hard places. Not that, champ, champ, listen, champions do not want to go through hard places. I don't want to go through hard places. I don't want my children to go through hard places. I was listening to Rachel teach. I'm going to tell on you. I was listening to Rachel uh, on a podcast or on a video teaching at girls' conference. And she was giving part of her testimony uh, about how God is working through her life and and developing character in her. She was just telling some of the things that God has done in her because of the challenges that she has faced with infertility. And I'm listening to the wisdom that's coming out of her, and I'm thinking, I told my wife, no one would ever wish that their child would go through this kind of heartbreak, but everyone would want their child to have what this is producing in Rachel. What it's producing, everyone would love their child to have, but no one would want their child to go through the hardship that it takes to get it. Champions are not afraid of hard places. Champions willingly face impossible situations situations so big that if god doesn't move it won't get done did you know that god wants you to declare his faithfulness in situations that you can't do anything about i can't fix this god and if you don't fix it it won't get fixed i can't address this i can't change the situation Listen, the, the, in Daniel chapter 3, three young men faced a furnace and a king, and they said, we don't know if we're going to live or if we're going to die. We can't tell you whether God's going to deliver us out or let us die in that furnace, but this we know. We aren't doing what you say. We know this. We don't even have to be careful to answer you. If we live or if we die, we're not bowing our knee to you. They weren't afraid of impossible situations. They did, not, they did not care. Live or die was not the issue. With a champion, difficulty produces an understanding that live or die is not the issue. Pleasing God is. So a champion's not afraid of an impossible situation. Then the other thing that a champion does is a champion faithfully seizes opportunities faithfully seizes opportunity i'm going to tell you what stood out to me the most when uh we were talking about daniel and daniel was given the opportunity to interpret the king's dream at that point in daniel's life He had already interpreted the dreams of the baker and the butler or whatever it was. He had already been thrown in prison because of uh, the lie of Potiphar's wife. He had already been thrown in a pit because his brothers hated him. He had so many reasons in life to be bitter. He could have easily said when they sent for him, interpret dreams, last time I did that, it didn't pay off, I don't do that anymore. I don't know what how to tell the king what he's dreaming. I, I, I'm, I, last time, it had no fruit. I'm not going down that road again. How many people let what's happened, the bad things that have happened to them throughout life, bring them to a point that right when they have an opportunity for God to show himself faithful, instead of seizing the opportunity, they start talking about, well, daddy was mean to me, and mom didn't love me the way she should, and grandma ran off with with grandpa's best friend, and everything went right, they, they start in on that stuff, and everything behind them defines the moment that they could reach in and seize an opportunity. But they let their history define their moment. Champions seize the opportunity. They don't hold on to their past, and they don't let those uh, broken places define them. They seize the opportunity. Then the other thing that uh, I saw in, uh, I saw this in Deborah and Barack particularly, but I see it throughout in champions. Champions willingly accept responsibility for circumstances they did not create. You I mean, think about that. Deborah goes to Barack and says, Barack, I've had enough. It's time for this situation, this situation that, uh, that arose before we were here. The situation we are in today, folks, the situation we are in in this country today arose before we arrived. We were on this path before we got here. But if we're going to champion the kingdom, we're going to accept responsibility for where we are today and carry it before the Lord now while we are here. Champions willingly accept responsibility for circumstances they had nothing whatever to do with. They didn't create them, But they address them. Champions are willing to address situations they did not create. I think we ought to say, Lord, let me be used, let me be an uh, instrument in your hands to address situations we didn't create. We didn't create... When I when I was watching television, I'll use the foster care situation again, just as a, just as a point of reference. When I was watching the television and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me about being involved in that problem, there was a newscaster who was doing a report on the children that were currently in the system, that were adoptable, or that were uh, that were without placement, or that were in. Uh, unfortunate situations that their families were, were trying their best to get on their feet but hadn't quite accomplished it yet, and they were giving the stats, the numbers. And when they were giving the stats, I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you don't do what you can do in this generation, you can't complain about the outcome. You have no opinion about the outcome if you don't participate in the process. That's what he said to me. So I said, okay, Lord, we'll participate in the process. And, and, and so that's when I understood. I'm not asking you to fix everything. I'm not asking you to fix anything. I'm asking you to do what I give you the ability to do. That's all I'm asking you to do is what you can do. Champions willingly accept responsibility for circumstances. They had nothing whatever to do with creating. Then champions, I love this, guy we didn't talk about, one of my favorite champions, who, by the way, came to somewhat of an ungodly end, made some portraits at the end of his life, was a man named Jehu. Jehu, in 2 Kings chapter 10, when uh, God tells Elijah... I want you to anoint Elisha as the prophet after you and I want you to anoint Jehu and I want you to anoint this one and that one. And he began to give Elijah instructions on who to anoint. Jehu was one, he said, anoint him. He will go and he will finish the job I sent you to do. That's what God told him. Elijah, anoint Jehu. He's going to go finish the job I sent you to do. Him and Elisha will, will do what you didn't complete. Jehu... When he sets out, he hears the word of the Lord, he receives the promises of God, and he says, come, he, he makes this declaration, come and see my zeal for the Lord. And he sets out to fulfill the word of the Lord and to destroy the enemies of Israel. And um, champions intentionally move with righteous action when things are not right. Champions intentionally an- address issues that are not in keeping with the purposes and the plan of God if you see that's why so many so many believers fight for justice we value justice in the earth we value that our laws are right and that people receive just uh just uh trials and and outcomes for their for uh their uh, trouble and when someone does someone wrong we want justice for the person who has been mistreated and undone. It is, it is right to, to value justice. And Jehu says, come and see my zeal for the Lord. You watch me fulfill what God has said. That's a champion. You go on through his life, he makes some bad decisions. He has some outcomes that are not particularly uplifting. But Jehu... Lifted up his voice, the voice of a champion. Come and see my, come and see my zeal for the Lord. I'll, I'll do the business, and that's what he did. And then, one of the things that I see that is consistent throughout, and this co- takes us back to the idea of not letting our imperfections—I'll I'll end up where I started. A champion does not let his imperfections become his focus a champion walks in character to the best of his ability submits himself to the lord and walks in character he doesn't let the fact that he's imperfect stop him he keeps pushing i used to tell my wife this i i uh, I i've some friends in ministry um and and i'll talk to you about the guy here that that stood out in my mind on this point but I had some, some people that I'd known in ministry, and over the years, through discouragement or through frustration or, or through uh, things would go wrong, and, and it would seem that at, at a point in time, they just threw up their hands and quit, and quit the fight. And I've always said, I'm not perfect, and I don't always get it right, but I don't see a place where you stop fighting, where you stop pressing forward. And so uh, on this point, Gideon stood out to me because because the the Holy Spirit comes to Gideon, and and Gideon doesn't even like Gideon. Gideon Gideon was a man of low self-esteem. He had a very poor view of himself. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And Gideon immediately goes, who, me? That's what Gideon did. The Bible says that Gideon was in the threshing floor, hiding from the enemy, threshing his wheat inside the walls. You can't thresh wheat inside the walls. You can't sort the chaff from the wheat without wind. But he's in there, and and I had this picture of him throwing up this pile of wheat that's in chaff, is in a pile here, and he's trying to get the chaff out of the wheat, and and because he's inside a building hiding out, Threshing, it, trying to thresh the wheat, I had this picture of Gideon taking this handful of wheat and throwing it in the air and going, <sniffs> so that the heavy grain would fall to the ground and the chaff would blow away. He was. I, I had this picture of him trying to be the wind. And then the Holy Spirit has the audacity to come into that situation and say, mighty man of valor. Champions have the ability to do their best to walk in character in spite of their own imperfections and their own weakness. And so um, Gideon was a great man. God says, Gideon, I want you to go, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. And Gideon goes, hold on, let me, let me just prove that to me. Here, here's a fleece. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on the threshing floor, and in the morning the, the floor is going to be wet and the fleece is going to be dry. If, if, you're, if you're truly speaking to me, do this thing for me. So God says, okay, come on, Gideon. Get on board. In the morning, the floor's got damp on it and the fleece is dry. God says, now, would you go do what I ask you to do? Gideon says, wait a minute, wait a minute. One more time. Just be patient with me. But in the morning, if the fleece could be wet and the floor could be dry. Let the ground be dry and the fleece be wet. Okay, I'm slow, but... Gideon was really slow. And so God says, yeah, I'll be patient with you in the morning. Um, you know, the, the reverse happens if this is wet and the ground is dry. And it takes God this process of time to convince this man that he is truly speaking to him and that he will go with him. And Gideon gets up and he goes forward and he obeys the Lord and he walks in the character of obedience In spite of his own inabilities, Gideon was not in the natural a mighty man of valor. He was only a mighty man of valor because God decided to call him that. You're only a champion because God decided to call you that. You're only strong because God decided to call you strong. You're only blessed because God decided to call you blessed. So Gideon understood. He finally got it through his head. I'm not that in the natural, but I'm that because he said I'm that. And so he walked in the character of obedience in spite of his own low self-esteem. Gideon did not like Gideon. And he didn't let that stop him. And so I saw in... This teaching that we've just come through, time after time after time, and I and I'm only touching on a few, there is great patterns of character and behaviors and thought processes that make for champions that you see throughout these people in the Old Testament, the thing that produces the things that produce a champion. And yet I challenge you that not every champion had every characteristic, nor do you or I. I wish I had every positive characteristic that's reflected in the life of Christ. Sorry. I have stories my children can tell you from when they were young of fupa's and mistakes that I made and points of high frustration. Because you get to see that when you live with people. And one of the funniest stories they ever was when I yelled at a woman out the car window because she took the parking place that I was headed for and we're not going to get into the details of that but nevertheless I wasn't very nice to her and then my wife says honey she'll probably be at church on Sunday that's all it took I was like Lord I won't ever do that again I didn't swear at her anything but I didn't say nice things either Caught me on a bad day. Did you know that Jesus loved me in spite of that deep character flaw that produced that moment in the life of that lady? He loved me anyway. He still said, Come on, champion, keep stepping. Come on, champion, let's go. So that's what I see. I see that throughout scripture the characteristic the strength characteristics that are in these champions are there for us to glean from and for us to draw from. So